If I gave you my love, I tell you what I do. I'd expect a whole lot of love out of you. going on man how y'all doing um hope you had a good day hope you had a decent day at work uh my work week is starting off fast and furious um a lot to catch up on after being gone uh out of town all last week for for work but um i was glad to be back um get some things done um a lot on my calendar um hope you guys are also uh off to a good start to the week too um for the most part I think today I want to have a, I guess, have a candid conversation um, on relationships and not just like romantic relationships or whatnot, Um, friendships and things like that as well, Uh, work relationships, business relationships, just uh, gauge people's, I guess, talk about my perceptions of what makes good relationships, also my struggles with them as well. Um, I would also, uh, kind of touch on some, you know, some lighter topics, uh, a little bit later on too, if we got time. But, um, one of the first things that I want to get on actually is, uh, an article from the Washington post that was pointed out to me earlier today. Um, and it says that in Washington, DC, the, uh, police force is going to learn some black history um, as a part of their training. I realize that for some people, at first glance, when they listen to that or they hear that, they're thinking, oh, yeah, that's so great. So impressive. About time uh, some organization or, in, or entity or government's, uh, government entity starts to do such a thing. But I actually have a different view of that. It's actually pseudo, it's it's actually kind of insulting in a way. It is, I actually don't think that it will do any good. What are they going to teach the police department about black history that isn't generic and already taught in schools? We know that historically the police department is very, um, they don't like to talk about taboo subjects. They don't like to 
uh, have the tough conversations. They are rapidly protected by the fraternal order of police, especially when it comes to talking about any of their wrongdoing. Um, when it comes to when it comes to the realm of dealing with minorities. And I would like to I mean, I think how can you talk about black history without also talking about the uh, the impacts that the police forces police force has had on black and brown communities? Do you I'm interested to know if any of the listeners and anybody hearing this thinks that this uh, form of training is worth it or not. I think that it is. I don't think that it's worth it. And I think it is a generic token um, of goodwill towards the black community. What are they going to teach police officers in in this training that they shouldn't already have heard or what what whitewashed history about black history are they going to teach these police officers that they wouldn't have already heard in middle school, high school, and maybe some type of college course if they in fact have taken taken uh, any type of history course in college? I know one thing that they can do if they're if they're serious about teaching black history to the police department. For one, it needs to be more than a one-day training. It needs to be an extensive training. And what they specifically need to teach them, the police department, about black history is their traditional role when it comes to black history. And that traditional role that I'm talking about is, are they going to talk about how the, the, the origins of the police department, how the origins of the police department are those of uh, an organized group of paid mercenaries that were paid to protect the property of white landowners uh, in the South being slaves. So the origins of the, the police department come from basically, you know, basically being a slave patrol. Are they going to teach them about that? Are they going to teach the police officers about their role in structural racism or the over-policing that they do in black and brown communities, which feed the prison industrial complex? Um, Are they going to teach them anything significant in black history that relates to the killing of unarmed black and brown men, women, and children in black communities? What, what, What are they... I would really like to see this uh, this rubric or this curriculum that they are going to deliver to this police to these police officers. And no matter what they teach them, none of it means anything if they're not going to address it as an institution on ways that they can correct and change their behavior and their actions in black and brown communities. Nothing is going to matter. What nothing that they teach these officers about black history is going to matter if it doesn't teach them compassion and what they can do to really turn their roles from policing us to actually protecting us and being proactive in in black and brown communities to better the relationships and help curtail crime. I don't know. I'm, I'm really... Um, when I was when I was made aware of that Washington Post article and I took a look at it, I was really just I just kind of looked at it as another joke. It's just another another uh, facade 
another fake gesture of trying to build relations in black and brown communities that they really have no intention of on actually building upon or instituting any strong guidelines, rules, or principles in the way that they do their jobs. I really hope that I'm wrong, but history kind of tells me that I'm not. So take that as you will. Um, But like I said, it'd be interesting to see what other people think about that. If you're listening to this, please send me an email to chilltimepod at gmail.com and give me your perspective on this because it would really, uh, I'd really like to know if I'm alone and feeling this way. I'll move on to my next topic here. And the next thing I want to talk about is relationships. Good relationships, bad relationships how those are um, an intimate setting, friendships, and everything. And I was really kind of spurred on to kind of talk about this. I was kind of spur of the moment uh, topic um, from a friend, like a colleague, who was kind of talking to me about relationship issues and and of that nature. And it really made me kind of reflect also and kind of think about my, um, my issues with relationships or areas where I uh, I do well or areas where I come up short. Um, I guess the first thing that I think of that constitutes a good relationship, whether that be with uh, uh, a mate, a life partner, boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, husband, wife, or a friendship or a business relationship is a great communication. I feel like if you do not have great communication, that is that sets groundworks for all types of problems and issues. Um, it leaves room for all types of assumptions about another person's feelings or another person's intent that could lead you down um, a dark hole. And it can also lead you to a path of failure. I guess I guess uh, one way of putting it is there's a saying that, Failing to failing to prepare is actually uh, what? How does it go? Failure to prepare is preparing to fail, or something like that. I think that communication operates just essentially just the same in relationships. I feel like you know the lack of good communication in a relationship, friendship, business relationship is a recipe for disaster and failure up in those. Um, I also think that the willingness to be open to one another is is a is a hallmark or sets the tone or, or is a great you know a great foundation builder for for relationships, friendships, um, and business relationships, and also being dependable. Um, I think that if the person that you are friends with or in a relationship with or in a business relationship with or if there's someone who is not dependable, then that itself is a recipe for a disaster itself. I think that sets the groundwork for insecurities. And when uh, when there when when insecurities creep up, so does uh, distrust or mistrust in the other person. And if there is no trust there there's essentially there's really no reason to be in a relationship 
um, with that other individual, whether it be once again, personal or business. Um, another thing, or you know what? Let me just make, let me make it personal. Let me, let me get on myself, I guess. Cause I, I, I think this would be the best way to, to explain what I feel or think about relationships. And if anybody can learn from my mistakes or the things that I'm good at or bad at, then great. Then essentially I've done what I wanted to do. I've done my job right now. I'll be the first to tell you that I am probably not, I, I am not great at relationships. Um, I'm a person who uh, innately distrusts a lot of people. I play a lot of things close to my close to the vest. Um, I think that that comes from me not ever having a good example of what a great relationship is in my life. Um, and what I mean by that, I mean like an intimate relationship. My parents have been split up since I was a little kid. I don't really know too many people with the exception of maybe one or two couples that that have a great relationship. Um, I know I do know a lot of people who and, and, and when I make that make that comment, I'm meaning relationships that I or, or couples that I know fairly well. Um, there are some people that I know that are in relationships, but I don't know their their situation that well. So I can't be the judge of whether or not that relationship is good, great or terrible. But as far as the ones that I think that I know fairly well, um, there's probably only like one or two great examples that I know of. Um, I also think that that sets the sets it, that helps set the tone for what I would be like in a relationship. I think I'm a person that wants to be in relationships, but I don't always know how to, I don't know the correct way to, to go about that, to do that. I think it is something that a lot of people take for granted in terms of you know what goes into making a positive relationship for instance i've heard people say make the comment that you know a good man or a good man in a relationship uh was raised by a good woman or his 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 mother and father were together or his somebody taught him how to treat women or whatnot I actually tell you, contrary to belief, that's not accurate. Um, in a, one of the men's groups that I um, helped facilitate, the question was asked to a lot of uh, the men that kind of attended the group, like, who taught you about women? Some answered nobody. Some answered um, TV, friends, older siblings, aunts, uncles. Maybe mother, father, and just to throw throw a throw a curveball at you guys, a lot of the ones that said that a woman taught them about how to treat women, or taught them about relationships, they actually said that the women had nothing positive to say about other women or how to treat women or relationships. So before you jump to conclusions and think that. Automatically, that the that a man who's had a strong female presence or motherly figure in his life uh, knows how to treat women. That's not always true. 
And I think what that comes back to, it comes back to the to, to the root of it, the, the, the original question that I asked of, or that was asked of, who taught you about women? See, as we're growing up, one of the things that is often done with us, there's always, it's always, uh, it's always brought up, do you talk to your kids about sex? Um, they always say, talk to your kids about sex if you want them to be able to handle the topic of sex appropriately and treat the act of being sexually active uh, uh, responsibly um, and to and to learn the the right way to uh, to take part in it. But what we often don't do, we don't talk to kids or we don't talk to anybody about relationships either. We don't talk to them about what what does a good relationship look like? What does being a good partner look like? I think we take that for granted. As long as I can remember, I never remember that coming up in any type of conversation growing up about talking to me about what a good relationship is. I think that we assume that people should automatically know what goes into a good relationship or how to treat our our partner or the person that we're with or our friend or a business partner. That's not all the way true. That's not always true. Because you got to think, if... A lot of us have learned what relationships are or what functional relationships are based on pure observation and what friends have told us or on TV or whatever. We're in bad shape. There's no wonder that the divorce rate in this country is, is I think it's like at that 50 percent or something insane like that, or maybe more than 50 percent. So clearly there's a lot of people out in this world, or at least in this country, I'll speak as far as what I know about this country, that don't know anything about having a great relationship. Don't know anything about having a positive, successful relationship. And a relationship that is just purely amicable, but doesn't fulfill one another, is not a great or a successful relationship. Now, and with my limited knowledge, I would think that a successful relationship is one that is symbiotic and not parasitic. Like I've said before in a podcast, I would think that whether that relationship be personal one, a friendship or a business relationship, it is a relationship that upholds and builds one another. Each person feeds off one another and helps uh, each other grow. If you're, I believe that if you're engaged in any type of relationship where only one person is benefiting, the other person is staying the same or stagnant, not growing or getting worse. That is a, by definition, a parasitic relationship. Parasites are never a positive thing, are never a good thing. Having a parasite in your, if you were to have a parasite in your system, somebody would tell you to go to the hospital and get it taken care of, get an antibiotic, get some type of medicine. If it's a tapeworm, get it surgery, whatever be the case. Parasites are never a good thing. So why do we think that that is okay? Why do we think that parasites are horrible when it comes to our health, but it's a good thing when it comes to our emotions, our mental stability, our emotional, you know, our stability, or our physical ability. It's not. We need to be in situations where, where, where both people can grow. We also need to be in situations where the person we are with complements us. Areas where we are, are, are weak, they are strong. And they understand that they can be of benefit to you to help you grow in that area or kind of hold the rope, pick up the slack when you're not able to carry your weight in that area. But also 
not only, like I said, not also, not also, not only like pick up the slack, but help you learn how to get better at that, and vice versa. You got to be willing to do the same thing for that person. In that 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 friendship, uh, a relationship, or business partnership. Once again, if those things aren't happening, one person is doing most of the work all the time. Now I know that that they say for a positive relationship. Everything isn't always going to be 50-50, and that's correct. I, you know, I, I, I won't argue with that. I, um, they, they, they use the, uh, the term 80-20 or whatever sometimes. That's what I mean when I say when, that those are times when you need to be complimentary, when somebody else's strength may be your weakness, and you kind of pick, pick them up and you help them get better. But if it's constantly, if it's always going to be 80-20, are you really going to be happy? Is a positive relationship one where you simply coexist you get along, you may not argue, but you're unhappy and you never feel truly fulfilled. Are you in a relationship where you look or where you're looking for somebody to completely fulfill you or make you whole? It can be said that before you can be in a successful relationship, before you can be happy in a relationship first, that you need to be happy with yourself and make yourself happy. I've been known sometimes to say, um, when it comes to to being with somebody, but before you get the one, first you got to be the one. And what I mean by that is, first you got to have your own stuff together. You got to be, you got to, you got to know yourself. And even if you don't know yourself completely, you got to be on that path and pretty. You got to be pretty far down that road of knowing yourself, and also be somebody who has no problem with being reflective, understanding. You know who you are, like have somewhat, somewhat of an understanding of who you are and what you like. You have to be somebody that is, has some type of like emotional intelligence or awareness. If you don't, how can you expect for somebody else to, to fill that hole for you? How can you expect for somebody else to fill that gap? I speaking in terms of myself, I think that I want to, I don't not think, I know that I want to be a good, uh, a good partner, a good mate. Um, and I think that I'm better with that in friendships than intimate relationships, because in in a way, in some ways, friendships are less personal. Um, the friends that I have, my best friends, not to say that our relationships are personal, but I think y'all get what I'm saying. Like how you are with your friend is a lot different than how you are with the person you're dating or you're with. Um, it can be said that the person that you're dating or you're with can hurt you way more than the, than your friend because they know they know more about you. They know more about the, the the personal intimate parts of you. Your friends might know that too, but you don't open up quite as quite the way to your friends as you do um, with your significant other. And I think that's doubly so with guys. I've said plenty of times that we are raising guy men are raising a society where. It is frowned upon for us to be open and honest like that, and we have to be protective. Um, we we are we are we are trained to be that way, and as a result, a lot of times we're just flat out emotionally unavailable to to our partners. I even wrote a blog post about it at one point in time. Um, it's called my blog is called Conscious Vanguard. It's consciousvanguard.com. And I wrote a, a a post essentially talking about 
how men are raised to be emotionally unavailable and we are emotionally unavailable. And what happens is we wind up ruining our relationships or we wind up ruining our children or setting a bad, setting a bad example to them of what a great, a great relationship is for the future. And I just, I firmly believe in that. I also believe that that is not the end all for us. I believe that we can get better and that we can grow from it. And that is not an indictment to, to, to who we will always be by far. All we need is the, the, the want and the know-how, um, and the, and the determination to improve in it, improve from that. Um, and we need a partner who is willing to be patient with us and also not be, um, condescending or threatening to us once we do open up and we do show that more emotional side. If anybody, if any of you want to read that blog post or check that article out, um, go to consciousvanguard.com and the title of the post is some of us are figuring it out because that's exactly right. Some of us men are still figuring out how to be in a successful relationship. Um, a lot of us pretend to know that we know what it's like to be in a successful relationship, but we don't. A lot of us flat out lie to ourselves, to be honest with you. We act like a lot of us act like sometimes we don't get enough feelings or whatever like women do. And that's garbage. I'm going to just tell you right now, we be lying like a mug when we say that or when we pretend to be that way. We just don't show it and we don't we 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 try not to put our heart on our sleeve like women do. But it's facts. Um I'll probably get some dude to come at me after hearing this and be like, I'm a hater, or, I'm softer, or whatever be the case. I don't believe any of that's true. I just think I'm aware of who I am. I'm 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 more self aware of the type of person I am and who I am and what I'm striving to be. So whatever, so be it. Um, I also think that often, like we get, like we get a lot of times, you know, I spe- I'll, I'll speak for myself once again, that like, even though I care for somebody, like I'll do something stupid, um, that seems almost like self, you know, self, self-destructive or, um, counterproductive, um, and just it doesn't make sense. It may seem like that I don't even like, but what I did or necessarily doesn't feel it seem like I care for the person, and that confuses a lot of people because most people who know me know that I am also the t- same type of dude too, that will like open doors for women. I always say yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. I'm polite. I'm kind. I've been over backwards. I'm always there to help people out, let people borrow money, help them, whatever be the case. But there are times where I could be, I can't to be honest, which I kind of be an asshole and I do something that will really hurt somebody and it will leave them wondering, like, did I really care about them or do I care about them at all? Whatever. And I do as bad as, 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 as crazy as it sounds like I do care. Um, because usually after I do it, I always typically do feel bad or I show some type of remorse. I'm the type of person like for the most part, like what you see is what you get. Like if I don't, if I genuinely don't care, like I'm just going to tell you, I don't care. But if I do something to hurt you and I tell you that I apologize or whatever, 
or that it didn't feel right. You know, that I that 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 bothered me that you're you're in pain or you hurt. Or that didn't make me feel good. Like believe that. I'm the type of person the worst thing you can do cuz that cuz that is an example of me like actually opening up. And I'm the type of person the worst thing for you to do is when I actually open up to you, you try to shut it down or say, "Well, no you don't. You didn't really care. You that's not how you show somebody you care. How the hell are you going to tell me how I how I what I really feel? Or how are you going to tell me that I didn't really care? I know how I feel. I may not show it appropriately all the time. It may not look right all the time. But I know how I feel. And if I tell you I care, I care. If I don't, I don't. Now it's up to you after I do this, that, and the other, whether or not you can forgive me and you want to move forth lockstep with me or you want to go your own direction. That's something, too, as a man that I have to be willing to accept and deal with. And and and, and I got to be responsible for. But I think a lot of that just comes from the fact like, I don't, I'm still learning how to be like in a relationship is, is grown and as old as I am, like in my thirties, like I'm learning how to be in a relationship. I was not a person when I was younger that had a lot of relationships. I didn't have like my first real girlfriend or whatever to like, what between junior and senior year of high school, as lame as that might sound to some people. Like I was just too focused on school and football and track. I just really just didn't care less about dating somebody. I had what you might call a quote unquote girlfriend, like in the eighth grade or whatever. And then, you know, I think my freshman year of high school, but it was one of those, like you date them for a couple of weeks. You only see them in school and talk to them on the phone. Never outside of school. It's not a real relationship. When I actually started really investing feelings in somebody and I having a, trying to have a real relationship, that was just before my senior year of high school. And then in college, I was committed to it. You know, I was, I was, with somebody and committed to a person. I am really not that experienced with having like an extensive, extensive relationships. And, and like I said, I don't have, I, I can, I can't say that I've ever had great examples of what a great relationship looks like. I've seen people be together and stay together and not be happy. I've seen people mistreat each other and logically, um, on an intellectual and emotional level, I knew that it wasn't productive and it wasn't right, but it doesn't mean that I had a great example of how to do, you know, you know, how to, how to perform, perform, you know, perform in a great relationship on my own. It's one thing to say, oh, I see, I see this, how this goes. And that looks completely, you know, horrible or, or not productive. And that's not what I want a relationship to be. So I should do the complete opposite, but it's, but it is completely different to actually be able to, to have the emotional skill level and maturity to actually do, do just that when you're actually in a relationship and you're dealing with somebody else whose emotions and feelings are unknown variables to you. Um, and what I mean by unknown variables mean like you might be with them long enough to know how they are, but like, you don't you don't know every single bit of them that comes with time that comes with experience that comes with really paying attention to them not just existing in their presence but actually being and paying attention to 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 them to the fullest and to be honest i don't think a lot of a lot of people out there actually do that like i said i think that's why the failure rate with relationships is so high i said it you know at the beginning i don't have the answers I don't have the right answers to to what it takes to be in a great, successful relationship. I just I'm just going off what my quote unquote my theories be open, be honest, 
um, and try to be careful. Be careful with the, with the other person's feelings and emotions. Communicate with them. And that's about all I really know how to do. I can't. I'm in. I am in no position to tell anybody um, the keys to success. The quote unquote rule book to how to find your mate, get married, and live happily after ever after. I don't have it. I'm trying to figure it out. I really am. And as a man, I feel like it's hard to figure it out. Like I said, I feel like it's hard to figure out. I I coming to grips with emotions and how to navigate them and then also how to protect myself, yet also at the same time be open and vulnerable to another person and trust them with my feelings and emotions is something that I my skill level is just it's growing, but it's by far not. I would not say it's, prof, you know, proficient. I wouldn't. It might not sound good, but I'm being honest. Um, and because I'm being honest, I also feel like that's the, also the reason why I feel like I got a good shot, a really good shot at at growing and becoming who I want to be and becoming the type of partner Um that I want to be. I feel like friendships I got down pat. Um, my boys are the dopest. I don't care what anybody say. My boys will go to bat for me and I'll go to bat for them. You know, my guy, Nate Scott, Darion Branscombe, Vince Wonga, Ray Lanehart, Brian Harris. They're like brothers to me. Um, and another th- and a thing that makes them also, great friends is not only will they go to, to go to bat for me and I'll go to go to bat for them, but they also check me and I check them when it's needed. They're not yes men. They're people who challenge me when they see me doing something that I think that I should not be doing or is not in my best interest. They don't just say, yo bro, you know, maybe you want to look at this and maybe you're going to think about, you know, that they slide out, come out, dude, you're wrong. You need to look at that. Ultimately, if you're going to go ahead and do this or whatever, I got you. But I'm telling you, I don't think you need to be doing this. They're not yes men um, by far. And that's one thing I love about them. We all are on one accord with visions that we have for our friendships, for ourselves and where we want to be in life. Boy, we also know that we we have to often we got to be that we got to be that check and balance for one another. And that's also one thing that I think that is great about my friendships that I think is something that's got to be positive and great that I got to that needs to be actually in a romantic relationship. Because like your parents always say, you know, what I'm saying I jump on you or, or I'm mad at you or I spank you or I punish you because I love you, because I want you to do right. When I see you doing wrong or when I see you stepping out of line, I need to get your butt back in line. If I don't say nothing to you, I mean, I don't care. And I feel like that must be something that's real and accurate in a, in, in, in a romantic relationship because I remember my dad saying, or, you know, at one point in time, he says, when a woman stops arguing with you, you've lost her. She no longer cares about you. Her heart is not in it anymore. Why? Because she no longer cares about seeing, it, seeing you do the right thing by her or by the relationship. 
she's already tapped out. So there's got to be some disagreement at some point in time in a relationship because nobody's perfect. So that might be a warning sign, too. If you're in a relationship and you never have some, I'm not talking about you got to have been a, uh, you know, knockdown, drag out argument, fighting, yelling, disrespecting each other, putting hands on each other. No, nah, not never that. You don't disrespect your friends or your or your loved ones. And you definitely don't put your hands on them. If you ever feel like you got to put your hands on them, it's time to go. Or if they ever are to the point where they got to put their hands on you, it's time to go. That's never been okay. I don't care what type of different opinions, perceptions anybody has on relationships. Emotional and physical abuse is never okay. I will say that that much I feel like I do know I got a grip on. But if she's to the point where, or he, he or she is to the point where they no longer feel like they got to get into it with you. Or they no longer got to put you in line about certain things. You might have a problem. Honestly. Chances are. Y'all have not communicated enough. Or they are no longer connected enough to you. Where they feel like they need to, you guys need to be in one accord. And be in line with each other. Need to be going the same direction. That's definitely something to be worried about. And it's something that if you care about that individual. You need to fix that. You definitely do. Um, I also understand that everybody has a different perception of what a successful relationship was or is or has a, as, is looking for different things out of relationships. Um, but again, that's something I think can be resolved with communication. If you're communicating with the person before you get too, too deeply involved, I think I would like to think that that gives you're able to weed those issues out in the beginning. You're able to understand whether or not this is the type of person that I want to be with or this or or our our expectations for what being in a loving relationship are are completely different and we can know we cannot be together or we can only be friends. And that's okay. Recognizing that too and accepting that is also a sign of emotional intelligence um and maturity. Um being an adult. Um, it's sad to say that a lot of us still don't do that. Um, but it's something that's also something like I say we need to keep in mind. As far as anything else that I gotta say about friendships or relationships, I got nothing for you. Like I said, I am not the uh I'm not the go to person on it. All I will say is I am pro-relationship. Um, I'm still learning more about myself so that I can be in a very successful one. And I'm committed to being in a successful one and improving myself um, so that I can be in a successful relationship. And I suggest that if anybody else feels the same way, that you do the, the, the personal work and reflection on yourself that it needs to be, you know, on yourself first that you need to do um, before you get involved with anybody else. All right. So I realized that was a little, a tad bit thick, tad bit heavy or whatever. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm going to get off that. And actually I want to go on something a little bit lighter. man. I want to talk a little bit about, I want to talk a little sports right now. Um, I don't know if anybody else has really been paying attention, but 
yo, NBA playoffs have started, and I'm rather uh, I'm rather excited right now. There's been a whole lot going on in the sports world. Uh, first things first, though, I know a lot of y'all might not be soccer fans, but I am. Um, and even though I am not a Man City fan, they have secured the EPL championship. So I got to give a uh, congrats out to any Man City fan out there, um, any fan, uh, and Pep Guardiola, the manager of Man City. He has now won at least two championships in three of the five toughest leagues uh, in the world being the Bundesliga in Germany, the EPL in England, and La Liga in Spain. Um, he won what several championships with Bayern Munich in the Bundesliga, won a couple here now with Man City in the EPL, and he won a several with Barcelona um, in Spain. So say what you want about him. For those of you who are not much into soccer, Pep Guardiola is like <laughs> Phil Jackson is the soccer, or, or what Phil Jackson is to basketball. The dude, you know, he's a tactical genius. He knows what he's doing, and he knows how to win, no matter what team he goes to. Now, granted, he does have a lot of talent on his teams, but he also helps organize those, that talent, the the appropriate way. And there's been other managers with them same exact players who haven't been able to win anything. So I got to give my props to them. Uh, Get on baseball quick. Um, I'm actually what I'm about to do, actually, when I get off, finish this podcast, I'm going to go check out my Marlins. I see my Marlins are playing. Um, right now, I am. I'm gonna have to be like a Sixers fan the past couple of years and trust the process, because we are doing major rebuilding and I do not feel good at all about that roster. So I'm gonna have to trust that uh, Derek Jeter knows what he's doing, because um, he gave away our three best players over the summer. He gave away uh, Giancarlo Stanton, sent him to the Yankees. I remember when that happened, people was like, uh, is Jeter still working for the Yankees, giving away our best player to that team? <laughs> um, Flash Gordon, Mr. D. Gordon, he sent him to the Mariners, and Christian Yelich, he sent to the Brewers. So, like I said, we are rebuilding. Um, and needless to say, we've jumped out to a mediocre start, just like, I mean, just like every other year. So, that's why one of the reasons I can't even fight him on this whole rebuilding thing. Um, cutting down on the uh, the budget to see if we can build a winner from the ground up. Um, but while my Marlins suffer, you know, I'm still going to be a, a devout fan of them, and I'm going to keep supporting. I got another team, my, the Lexington Legends. I'm a huge supporter of the Lexington Legends. They are a minor league team in my home city of Lexington, Kentucky. So, you know what I mean? Go, Legends, go. As corny as that sounded, I'm still going to root for those cats. And I'm going to, uh, you know what? I'm going to pay attention to the Mets this year. I got to. Um, my Uncle Sonny in New York is a huge fan of the Mets. And a good friend of mine is is a good fan of the Mets. Um, so in honor of those two, I'm actually going to root for the Mets this year. hope they do good. For the first time, and it seems like forever, their, uh, their pitching rotation is healthy. Um I say I think I was told that their two top two catchers are injured right now, so the injury bug's still killing them. But um, needless to say, um, the pitching rotation is intact, so they're looking kind of decent. Um, that man Noah Syndergaard, they call I believe they call him Thor. I was watching a highlight of him the other day, and the dude threw like a ninety-five mile per hour fastball to have movement on it. I'm like, it's ridiculous. That's what you call talent. You know what I'm saying? Just flat out skill. 
you know what I'm saying? But um, that's all I'm going to leave on that. And I am going to say, too, um, I was watching. I'm also a Formula One race fan. I am a a fan of Lewis Hamilton and the Mercedes AMG team. Um, And I was watching the Shanghai Grand Prix yesterday. uh, yesterday. Um, And my man, Lewis Hamilton, got fourth. I got to admit, I'm a little worried about him, man. Uh, His his teammate, uh, Valtteri Bottas, got second. And this is the second race in a row I've seen Bottas place better than Lewis Hamilton. Um, and matter of fact, that the first was it three or four races, Ferrari actually has uh, taken first place in two of those. I think was it Daniel Ricciardo got first in the Shanghai Grand Prix yesterday. But man, Lewis, what's up, man? I'm used to you winning everything, dude. You 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 coming up short right now, so I'm sure uh, they're gonna go back to the that AMG squad is gonna go back to the John board and figure out their aerodynamics or their race strategy and see what they can get uh, get going on that. Um, and hopefully uh, Lewis Hamilton and crew can, uh, you know what I'm saying, correct uh, correct that ship before they lose too many points and uh, get too far behind in the season in the uh, constructor, Constructors and Drivers Championship. Uh, as far as NBA is concerned, some super dope games already. Um, the, between the uh, Houston Rockets and Minnesota Timberwolves, James Harden, I had I think I had forty four points yesterday. Um, Rockets wind up only winning by three or four. Um, I think I know there's some Minnesota fans here kind of disappointed about that. And or one thing I gotta say, Minnesota fans I think are some of the worst fans in the world. They are all good and gravy and happy and running their mouth when the team is when their teams are doing great. Twins, Vikings, you know what I'm saying Timberwolves, Wild, all of that. Soon as they lose anything, they jump off the bandwagon. The team sucks. They want to trade this person, get rid of that person. I will say, even though they only lost by, you know, even though they lost, they only lost by three points, and that's with Carl Anthony Towns only scoring eight points, Jimmy Butler coming back from injury only scoring thirteen, and Andrew Wiggins. I don't think he played that exceptional either. So you down to the number one team in the whole NBA. You only lost by three points. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you're only down 0-1 in a seven-game series, um, and your three best players didn't play that great. Um, I can't say the same for Cleveland. They got whopped by the paper uh, by the Pacers the other uh, yesterday. Your man Victor Oladipo went off. Um, let Dan Gilbert know he didn't really appreciate um, that little slight Dan Gilbert put out there about. Uh, Oklahoma City or whatever could have did better in a trade or or Cleveland or somebody like that. Basically, he was throwing he was throwing shade at Victor Oladipo, saying that he wasn't that great of a, a asset on the trade. Um, so I got to give you, man, Vic Oladipo, and I believe he's a DC native too. So uh, shout out to DC for putting out another great great cat. But uh, Victor Oladipo showed out. Um, and I kind of like that, too, because I'm not a Pacers fan. I don't really have no beef against LeBron, but I don't like Dan Gilbert because I don't care what nobody said. Dan Gilbert treated LeBron James and talked about him like he was some slave when he left for Miami the first time. You know what I mean? Um, talked all top with noise, talking about they were going to you know, win a title before LeBron ever did. And um, for God's sakes, you know what I'm saying? LeBron was a free agent, which means he is free as a free human being and an American and an amazing basketball player to sign a contract to play with whoever he likes. But Dan Gilbert liked to act like 
LeBron betrayed him and the whole city of Cleveland. And I think that that is something, a narrative that uh, goes across in all sports, football, basketball, any of that. You know, team owners and fans, for that matter, act like they own players. You know what I'm saying? When teams make decisions to get rid of players, it's considered business. When players make business decisions for themselves and decide they go somewhere else, they're, you know, people are burning their jerseys left and right, treating them like they're criminals, this, that, and other. I mean, get over yourself. You know what I'm saying? These are just grown men. Grown men with a skill that enables them to pay millions of dollars and gives them the right to go take their skills anywhere else, just like you have the right to quit your job or, you know, apply and take a job somewhere else and go on to a better situation. So chill with that. Um, next series that I was going to kind of get on a little bit, um, Oklahoma City Thunder and the Jazz. Your man Donovan Spider-Mitchell showed out, but it wasn't enough. Um, I think OKC might be catching a stride. Your man Russell Westbrook missed a triple-double, um, averaging his second triple-double for the second uh, season in a row. Put up big numbers, like always. He ain't never had somebody you gotta worry about. But Paul George showed out with like 36 points. And Carmelo came in with like 15 points and seven boards. Um, so I think that's a team that everybody needs to look out for. If they've hit their stride just in time for the playoffs, it's a problem. Um, it's a problem for a lot of – I think they even have the capability to make it to the Western Conference Finals and maybe even uh, – to be honest with you, if all of them guys play together in harmony, play good defense and do it, that, they could actually beat – the Warriors. Some of y'all out there might hate on that comment, but I'm just being real. Because the Warriors didn't look – I know that they showed out against the Spurs this weekend and beat the Spurs down, but, uh, you know, the Spurs are, can can be hit and miss. As great as a coach as Greg Popovich is, I think he's the greatest coach in the league. Um, just above uh, Brad Stevens in Boston, you know, he's done the best he can with that, with that roster. Um so Golden State did a great job of beating up on the Spurs, but I got to see them do a little bit better, man. Their defense is a little bit suspect. Um, the last they were actually below five hundred the last half of the season. Um, Celtics and Bucks, great game. Um, I think Celtics will probably wind up taking a series though, four two. As much as great as Giannis Antetokounmpo, however you say his last name is, um, he can't shoot, and his whole team can't shoot. Soon as you get in a position where they got to make some outside bucket buckets to win a game, um, you can kind of stop their flow. Um, and he's essentially all they got. Um, Jabari Parker's decent. Don't get me wrong. No disrespect for them. He's he's cool. Um, but I just think they need more than them too if they plan on beating the Celtics. Brad Stevens is the second best coach in the league, X's and O's wise, um, and he's shown that with winning the way the Celtics have done these past couple of years with the type of roster that they have. Um, Pelicans and Blazers was a great series. I think the uh, the Pelicans can uh, get, get, you know win that series in seven. I think it would go in four if Boogie was still uh, was not hurt without that you know and not out with that torn Achilles. But is what it is. Anthony Davis is a monster. Rajon Rondo, I believe they call him Playoff Rondo. Come playoff times, is the one of the top three point guards in the league when it comes to playoff basketball. Period. Say what you want. At me some other time. I ain't trying to hear you. Rajon Rondo is one of the top three uh, best point guards in the entire league when it comes to playoff time. Uh, that dude had like 17 assists the other night. Um, and that, and that's just normal for him. That's not something that's, you know, outrageous. Um, Wizards and Raptors. I got the Raptors taking that series. The Wizards just always, they look good in the regular season and they always lay a, lay an egg, you know, when it comes to the playoffs, man. 
Uh, Brad Bill's okay. He's de- he's, a, he's a good player. John Wall's a decent. But I just feel like they don't have enough, man. Unless Kelly Oubre or Otto Porter, Otto Porter Jr. starts to show out a little bit better. I don't think they have enough to take out the Raptors. And I think the Raptors, once again, will only get so far before Kyle Lowry gets hurt or chokes up in the playoffs, which he's done the past couple of years. DeMar DeRozan does his thing, but once again, that team isn't put together um, with enough talent for him to do it by himself. And a matter of fact, the way the whole NBA is gone, no team can really do it without two to three stars. That's just the way it's panned out um, with the way free agency has worked out and players kind of teaming up um, the, and stars kind of teaming up the way they are. Um, and then the last series I'll talk about is the Sixers and the Heat. Um, I actually really do believe this is a great year for the Sixers. I can see them making to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, and they, they beat up on the Miami Heat. Um, and I actually think if they stay healthy, that is the the power team in the Eastern Conference for the next five or six years. Ben Simmons makes me put my foot in my mouth. I got to be honest with you. I watched him at LSU, and I just really – he just didn't impress me at all. Um, I did not think he was that great of a player. I thought he was decent, but I think the, the college game overall is watered down, so I feel like to stand out in the college game is not that, is, is, is not that great to me. But he – and, you know, and he, he was hurt instantly, sat out a year. He's been showing out, man. That dude is – he's got game. Um, and if he ever learns how to – if he ever gets a jump shot, that's the next LeBron, to be honest with you. Just – just as just facts. Um, Joel Embiid is a unicorn. The dude can handle. He can rebound, block shots, score. Got a good personality. Seems like he's a great teammate. I would love, love, love – for my Knicks to, in some way, shape, or form, eke out some type of deal to get somebody like that, even though I know it's not going to happen, or or look for find a, a steal like he is in a, in the upcoming NBA draft, because God knows we hurting man. Um, last I heard, we are got Jerry Stackhouse, Mark Jackson, um, David Fisdale. Those are my top three picks, and. Uh, Black, David Black, who used to coach the Cavaliers before Ty Lue took over as our coaching finalist. I'm all right with all those picks, but if I if I got to go with two, um, yo, I'm going to say Fisdale or Mark Jackson um, or Stackhouse because I like to see him get a get you know get a start. You know what I mean? Get his first great, a good opportunity. I do think he would be a great coach. Um, but yeah, for the most part. Um, that's kind of that's my view on uh, this NBA playoff season. Um, kind of how I feel like some of those series will turn out, um, and and some of the players that will you know help swing those series. I think it's still too early to tell who I think will win the title, but you know it doesn't matter anyway. It's still it's it's still too early that and we get surprised at any turn. Um, with you know, typically it's been Warriors and, and and Cavs. I think everybody can say that that they felt like those two would be a lock to make it to the finals because essentially they have been the past three years. That's who it's been in the finals. But this year, I think they've both shown a lot of weakness. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, regardless, um, that's all I got for y'all today. Man. I'm gonna go check out my Marlins. Hope we can try to eke out a win. Um, 
And I hope you guys uh, enjoy this episode. Um, I just got news today. Uh, the podcast is officially on iHeartRadio. So if you listen to iHeartRadio, please go follow this podcast on iHeartRadio. Once again, we are on Stitcher. We're on Google Play. Uh, we're on Pippa Podcasting. And we are on, well, I keep saying we, it's just me. Um, I am on iTunes. So if you have any of those platforms, please subscribe and listen to me on any of those plat- platforms. Leave me some type of rating. Um, and if you have any type of questions, suggestions, comments, critiques, hit me up at chilltimepod at gmail.com. Um, I'd be happy to address any of those. Other than that, I hope you guys have a great night and I'm out of here. If I gave you my love, I tell you what I do. Squeeze me.